Hello, everyone. Today, we have another episode at CEO Cheat Sheet Podcast. And I have an amazing guest, Alexandra Murray, who represents director at Scene Social. Thanks for coming as my guest to this experimental in-person first episode. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like in-person podcasts for me are so much better because obviously you can, not only is the technical side of it so much cleaner, but I feel like we actually get to like respond to each other properly and it's not like delayed or anything. I get to see your full reaction but yeah i'm doing really great how about you yeah i feel really good for me it's like experimental i used to hide behind the laptop because i can check what my agenda is but yeah let's let's see how it goes so can you tell us please what bcn socials is doing describe your company a little bit thank you okay so bcn has been around now for about three and a half years so i have recently just turned 25 so i started the company at 21 and I was in the influencer space before I started B-Scenes. I honestly never call it like B-Scenes Socials because there's so many big plans ahead. I'm sure you have the same where obviously B-Scene is kind of like the name of the company and then Socials is kind of like the part that we're doing at the moment and there's so many more plans ahead. So for me, B-Scene came about from influencer experience. So how familiar you are, are you with influencers? Oh, yeah, pretty familiar. I see them everywhere. They're kind of like different way of uh, doing marketing to me this days you can take an example or inspiration so yeah so for me I was in the influencer space for about six seven years prior to having this company so it started with you know brands sending me product I was posing with the product and then putting it on my Instagram I went to uni and I started my career or my uni degree with business and that's when I got into like the social media world so what we do to kind of answer the question is content creation social media management, influencer marketing, and mostly we're dabbling actually a lot into TikTok now. We do all organic. The difference between, I guess, us and other marketing companies as such is we only do the things that are free to make. I don't know. I probably need to elaborate on that. So when you're creating content, it doesn't cost you money to meta. It's not like paid advertising. So you're not actually paying Facebook or Instagram or you're not paying Google for anything. It's everything you can make organically so and post organically. So almost like we're running a personal account. So we're taking the pictures, we're designing the pictures, we're doing the video content, we're posting organically, like pressing the button to upload. We're doing all the stories, all of the TikTok posting manually. And then when it comes to the influencer side, we are actually like reaching out to the influencers, designing how that works, speaking to the influencers, negotiating rates, designing like who goes with what brand, that type of thing. No, that's beautiful. It's like you're taking the personal brand at the first and forefront because it would be, I believe, more interesting and like applying your experience and expertise from influencer past mm-hmm. to actually project it for the for your clients. So these businesses are being really seen as, you, yeah. as your brand suggests. There we go. That's really cool. Every time, <laughs> every time we're in a meeting or something and the client's like, oh, you know, I'm just like really trying to be seen. I just can't help but just have yes. to say that. I'm like, Pun intended. Absolutely. Anytime I see some company as account on Instagram or yeah. Facebook, kind of starting to explore TikTok, I kind of instantly have this feeling oh, they're going to sell us something. And when it comes to personal, you don't think this way. You start to think like, well, what this guy is up to or girl, what is what they up to, what their business is about. They, it's not like instantly selling machine mode that you have, I would say, subconsciously experienced. <laughs> no. 
Exactly. So for us, what we do is we actually take the product and then we look at it in a way that's actually going to create like a brand identity, not in the sense of logos or, I mean, color schemes and stuff like that. What we actually do is we take the, I guess, say like this cup, right? And we would say, okay, so who, what are the other cups on Instagram like and social media doing? And how can we translate your viewers into customers, but in a really organic, truthful way? And I think that, well, that's the part that I'm most interested in. And I actually just like love being, I'm a consumer to so many brands on Instagram and whatnot. Do you follow a lot of like direct to consumer brands on Instagram and TikTok? Not much. Not much. Well, the thing is, is like, even if you weren't and say you were looking to buy something, say you were, I don't know, you're in the market for some new shoes. What you'd then look at is you could go, you'll go straight onto the website, but say you want to see how they're styled or what type of people are wearing them or, you know, whatnot, there's that route. And that goes down to their Instagram and social media, or alternatively, you can follow a bunch of social media accounts. Like I personally am obviously in, in the influencer and Instagram world. So I follow so many creators. And if I'm, you know, looking for some clothes that I want to wear on the weekend, I'll go to my favorite creator my favorite Instagrammer and be like, oh, okay, like I'll scroll through there and find a few outfits, find where she got them from. And there we go. That makes total sense. I mean, I never consider buying any kind of like piece of inventory alone or I, I need to see the, the entire look and I'm trying to combine something against that look. If I find someone, let's say as an influencer or someone who wears the similar or the same look, this is how I create my wardrobe, I would say. It's actually, uh, when I started to think about that, I have this like more or less classic uh, suit style that have been inspired heavily by some guy who runs Gentleman Gazette. And I was like uh, being immersed immersed in myself in that world because without I would say the guidance with the content he creates, I probably won't be there. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's kind of not instantly comes to my head, but yeah, I'm really using that. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize they're being influenced until they're like, oh, maybe I did buy that from someone else. And another thing is that with influencers, I think it needs to happen more than just the one time. So for us, we're constantly creating content. And I'll talk to you about kind of like what a typical client relationship with us is. But let's just say we're posting five pieces of content on different platforms every single week for these companies so that it's constantly proving and providing social proof for these brands. So an amazing example is we have a pink toothbrush company and she's got beautiful, like it's an amazing product. It's really high quality. It's, you know, one of the kind. And what we do is we post five times a week on her account and we're shooting the content in different bathrooms with different faces. And actually tomorrow what we're doing is we're going and handing out like vouchers and we're actually like showing the product to people outside of Woolworths in Bondi Junction because we want to get the product in front and we want to interview people about their oral hygiene and stuff like that. And that in itself is going to be a video where people are going to see it in person, but then also online as well. And that's another example of content creation whilst also like getting the brand out there. So we're always thinking of new ideas on how to get the product from someone potentially looking to buy to then then checking out mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty smart and deep strategy because especially for new brands it's very challenging to get into the heads of their customers mm -hmm. so yeah i'm i'm excited to hear how you guys approach that when it comes to goals of the business it's pretty clear that you help businesses be seen your also personal mm -hmm. goals like how they align together so i've always been 
ambitious, just like I think you, like a lot of people that we've even connected with mutually. And I feel that when it comes to the goals for Be Seen and then myself, they just align completely perfectly. Like it's not one without the other for me. And I'm sure it's the same with most business owners. You kind of connect yourself to the brand and to the business yourself. So I actually get really involved in my clients, even though we are growing. So I guess that question gets broken down into like my business, the clients, and then me all of the goals for me are going to the same direction, obviously. So be seen, we have, and I'll talk to you about that in a second, like kind of what the goals are for that. But when it comes to like my goals with the clients is I get really, really involved on a consultancy level for all things marketing mostly, and then all things business opportunity as well, because we do work in startup. So the opportunity outside of just our doing our daily posts and stuff, the opportunity with be seen is actually like us having a really strong chat about what else you could be doing alongside that. So, you know, opportunities in PR, opportunities in ad space, opportunity in influences, all of these other things that a lot of brands or businesses, if they don't have experience in running a company themselves, coming to us, you actually get not only the services that we are providing, and I don't want to be salesy because obviously like I don't need to be salesy here, safe space, but pretty much the idea is that you come to us, you get your service and then you get so much more out of having like relationships with us as a business because I will pretty much if I have an idea for a client because my goal is to obviously like grow the business and grow my clients as well because if they're making money we're making money so I will always go out and just come up with like these other ideas for the company the businesses as well it's actually funny an example this morning do you know Priceline yeah I've heard of them yeah so Priceline is a really big retailer for all Kemet Kemet's yeah, you would see them. There's probably like in a space, I think there's they're every kilometer in Sydney in every big state or big city in Australia. So Priceline is huge. It's the same, same as like Chemist Warehouse. Priceline did a big event today where they showcase a bunch of cl- bunch of new direct to consumer brands, all in beauty mostly. So what we did, so I've had a client that I've worked with for almost two years now that we launched through our launched by BC and package. And I'll tell you about that in a second. And so I was invited as an influencer and I was like, you know what, this would be a huge opportunity for one of my brands, my beauty companies to come along just to meet people, to see how the whole thing works and to actually get in front of these brands. And she, one of the girls, one of my clients came with me and she brought her products, ended up meeting one of like the most successful cosmetic perfume fragrance companies in Australia and gave her product to her this morning. And that was obviously like nothing. I didn't charge for that. I didn't do it. It's just the fact that like we obviously see opportunities there for our clients. We have a network. So we'll push that even further. And I can't say that that happens like every single week. Of course not. But those are the type of things like I try and provide for my clients as well as the services we have as well. Because I don't feel like it's a lot of people in their businesses, they have friends that will be like, yay, like, I'm so happy for you, whatever. But then we try and go that extra mile and be like, oh, no, no, no. Like, we'll be there for you through the ups and downs, but like, take that even further. Yeah. I like how you capitalize on the uh, your past as influencer and you think as mm. how else I can help. And with this example, that's more than just, you know, generating the content or distributing mm. it. You're like working on the solution and how to acquire customers for different channels. This is really cool. 
I rarely seen that in the service providing business getting so much involved. So I would say it seems like business socials is another example of being really partner, more than partner and more like partner than just customer, customer service, helping the business in the way it's, um, you know, put into SOE. So I really like to hear that. And it's clear about the personal goals as well that uh, you are living in your business. It's, it's amazing when those too much, it's like probably brings a lot of passion, but still there might be some challenging parts. So we spoke about the goals. I think we have a good sense of what you love to do in your business, being involved, but can you elaborate on that? And also what you find challenging and what you don't like, wish something you could fix or, you know, change. Being in the service industry, which I personally, like I'll put it in, being service industry is my positive it's my great, I love it, but then it's also something I struggle with as well, right? Because I did hear a quote that said, when you're an agency, two clients gained away from greatness, but two clients lost away from failure is a really dangerous place to be. So that's actually stuck with me for such a long time. It was just a podcast that I listened to. And I think that that stands so clear in how agencies work and the danger it can be when you're providing a service and you have, you know, you can do 30 day cancellations, you can do your set rules to protect yourself. But at the end of the day, like you're providing a service, people can pull out just like a gym, just like any type of service-based company. And for me, that can get really tiring because not only, you know, I can sit and have stop. If I was to do like be a B2C company, I can just fulfill orders and whatnot. And I can scale with more product and scale with, I guess, more people. But with service, you actually can only scale with people. So I guess for me, like my biggest challenge is that being in the service industry and being an agency, I can scale with people and I can scale by increasing prices. But at the end of the day, like people will always come and go. I've had clients that we've worked with for years and years now. And we've only we're only three years old. So anyone over two years, like you've been there since practically day one. So for me, having that fluctuation, you can have a really good day and sign three clients, or you can have a really bad day and lose three clients. And the thing is, is like you have to build resilience to then have no matter how many clients go and come and leave and whatever, you still have that very solid amount of, I guess, rules and then also people, you know what I mean? I think the way we're trying to combat that, because obviously with every problem, like I try and have a somewhat solution, but we try and have like a waitlist system now. Because another thing is it's so hard when you're running an agency is like you could have everyone at capacity on Monday. Then something happens that's completely out of your control. So the economy just flops and then eight people give their 30 day notice and that gives and then eight people are stripped for your following month. That means that I have to go into sales to cover those eight people or alternatively, which is actually the state we're in now is we have everyone working at capacity, but then we have a wait list of three people that are dying to come on before Christmas, but there's nowhere to put them. And if I put them, if I hire someone else, what if they get dropped down again? It's like, ah, that's probably my biggest challenge. I got it. It resonates with me a lot. I mean, I was hearing to you and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This workload issue, we call it, or resource yeah. planning. It's exactly the balance between the hiring and firing, as they call it, because yeah. you can't, it's very hard to stay in this perfect middle. Like you can have perfect employees, but if you don't have enough clients, then you must say goodbye or do something else. We'll touch by this when we get to the core. But what we did, for example, as a quick solution that might be a good, I don't know, tip is we offered them to reduce to work hours temporarily to at least retain 
contain them. And and we offered it to everyone because uh, cumulatively we, we would need to have some space. This was like the example of the COVID when the hard times Yeah, hit. of course. And it's, it's much harder, I think, you know, on the client side. Like if you have too much clients, that's even more frustrating and disheartening, like knowing that you, you can't close the deal because you can't simply hire good enough people in a short time frame and not losing the quality of the services you produce. So yeah, this is this is uh, resonates, I think, with many business owners or whoever going to start the agency, you can only grow as people grows. You can't grow it as a product. That's probably why we are working in the product, to be honest. Yeah. And then you're also in that situation where you're like, do I hire like fulfillment people to then take on new clients or do you start like my situation now is I'll probably hire someone in the TikTok region of the company straight away in the new year because that's kind of what demand is asking for. And then I might later on, later on actually hire like an operations person to kind of go in and look at how everything else is going and maybe like do the operation side of it so that I can take a step back. But we are in a good position because we do have a following on our Be Seen Socials account. When I go into sales mode, if you see Be Seen Socials, I probably shouldn't say this, but if you see Be Seen post a lot on the account that means we're in sales mode because we don't actually have a sales technique at all and I haven't since day one in fact no I haven't even on day one so our sales strategy is to put content out for our clients or potential clients which sounds so obvious but we just haven't needed to do that very often because of the fact that either we retain for so long and people just come to us through word of mouth or when we are having a quieter time as in like I maybe have three or four spots to fill I will just post on Instagram regularly and people that those spots will get filled in a week so I guess for me is like once I am ready to like really scale that up which I think will be like the beginning of next year I'll start hiring like two two, three full-time roles and then go hard in like sales, like LinkedIn, all of those things that normal people do, but we just haven't had to touch on yet and go from there and then actually like go from six to nine people maybe quite quickly. Yeah, that makes sense. We had such experience and I think you're right on this strategy because it's much better to probably experience some financial loss with people that you might, you know, cut in the end of the uh, the story rather than saying no to the clients because clients are usually harder to find. Uh, Well, it depends uh, from industry to industry, but you have a really good social accounts and I think if you can leverage it for hiring people that's another level all right we'll touch some of these aspects down the line and there is one question in the warming up section is what's your CEO daily lifestyle that helps you drive this crazy schedule it is so bad (laughs) you probably had other people on here that are like I wake up at 5 a.m and I go for a run and then I go for an ice bath I'm none of those things so it's actually funny my boyfriend was like to me two days ago he's like Lexi you've like not really gone to the gym recently and I'm like babes I don't have the time and I don't want to sound like I you know I can make time I'm fully aware of that there might be people listening to this way you can always make time and you know what I can but I also like choose sleep and I choose to like have a little bit of downtime and not always I want to get back into a better routine and 2024 ask me again we'll do round two of this podcast and I might have a different answer but right now my lifestyle is I get up at about probably like 7, 7, 7.30. I get to the office by nine, which it takes me about 20 minutes. And then I listen to a podcast on my way there. So it feels productive. Then I have to work in the office Monday through to Thursday and then I get Fridays off. So then I'm in the office working with the girls. So literally on shared desks. Like we don't have like, yeah, we don't have like a special, I don't have a special like little glass box that I have of my own. Like I'm 
present with the girls. Sometimes the girls, we have like a situation in the office right now where we don't have that many comfy chairs. So I think we have five squishy comfy chairs and then we have other ones that are like the rock hard, like uncomfortable ones. And you best believe like if I don't, I don't have a special chair, like I might be the director, but I don't get the fancy chair. So everyone has their like it's Beth, what is it? Best in best dressed. So I'm don't get special treatment there. But then, yeah, we work all together all the time, same desks, everything like that. It's a co-working kind of environment for us. Like we're shooting in person all the time. So a lot of the time I'll look at my calendar in the morning and be like, okay, what shoots am I involved in? What meetings do I have? We always, little be seen rule is you pretty much always have to come to work done up, makeup, like hair kind of nice obviously there's no set rule but because we're shooting content all the time the option for shooting a brand always needs to be there like if you don't come to work looking you know your best I know it's it's not ideal and obviously like we have our days where we can communicate on our group chat saying hey guys there's actually no shoots tomorrow like come in pjs if you want but that's our fr- that's for Fridays and where they don't need to dress up and come to the office but because we have a content studio there we have 30 clients that we might need to shoot for. It rules out so much productivity if like someone's, you know, wearing like not looking their best or don't want to be in content. Of course, there's an exception if you're not feeling 100%, of course. But so I do have to, you know, get ready for work and present myself pretty much every day, which and then, yeah, Fridays are our work from home, which is my day like to go to, go to Cub and just sit and head down because I also do the Instagram thing still a little bit not crazy amounts but I still have to run my own socials I do have a manager that runs that side of things for me she's amazing means that I don't have to be emailing but yeah and then my weekends on Saturdays I do a lot of like work stuff on my own as well so I'll like have a slower morning maybe go to the gym I'm still paying for like the most expensive gym in Sydney but I'm like not going as often as I should well, thank you for sharing. I can tell you, first of all, you wake up very early to me because I have international clients. I wake up at 9 or 9.30 because I go to bed at 2 a.m. So it's not possible. I don't know how these people wake up at 5 a.m. They probably don't have international clients. And they probably go to bed before 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that's too, by the way. There's also another thing I've heard that, oh, yeah, it's, it's very intense. I mean, you guys need to have a great image. So getting up to the makeup, all that stuff. And I've seen this from my wife. It's taking so much time, actually. And yeah, it might be some days it can be like hard. And, you know, I, I can't imagine how much pressure you have because you're actually going to project your business through your image as well on these videos. And for the gym, well, what I did, I'm not a lazy person. I hate this word. I try to use the word thrifty when it comes to time. So I just bought the power station and I learned how to train without the actual gym by several I'm not gonna take too much time describing that stuff, but I spend like 20 to 25 minutes, but I do daily workouts and I'm usually kind of strategically planned before getting the shower. So things are really smart time-wise and it doesn't take much time, but it still takes energy and you still need, you know, to mentally get into this spot. If you're not feeling you're into that and you know, like, oh, I have an important meeting today or something like that on the work, it might actually derail the progress. So I got it. Well, so you're in firefighter mode efficiently, right? Mostly like, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess at the moment I'm just kind of like business is like the priority. And then I think I do balance everything really, really well. I think because I'm 25, like I'm still in my prime social days. You know what I mean? Like I still love going out with my friends. I prioritize family's a big thing for like me and my partner. So like that's really important for me. I really rarely miss out on a girl's night. Like I'm all at birthday dinner. Like I'm always prioritizing my calendar is 
my ride or die. So I have an event tomorrow, forgot to put in my calendar, double book. So for me, like my calendar is my Bible. I live by it. I time block everything. I'll always go to bed checking my calendar. I think that's really important for me. I'll even like every Sunday kind of like sit down and just like look at everything and then fill in the gaps where I kind of have time. Like things are just really crazy at the moment. So my calendar is like my Bible. If someone hated me enough, deleting my Google calendar would be like worse than anything. Absolutely. Like this is probably, I would list as productivity tip number one, leave around the calendar. Because if it's not in the calendar, it's not there. Otherwise you get into trouble really easily. Yeah. The girls will actually, we have a rule. So their leave, I'm not strict on anyone's leave. If they want to take time off, whatever, it doesn't bother me. The only thing is that you have to beat me to the calendar. So if you want a random day off, if you've got like an appointment you want to do, if you want to take time, you have to beat me to the calendar and it's all yours. So the girls like are always having to put their date in like months before or something just because like I'm so unstrict about those things but like I have to make sure that the calendar is perfect. Oh that's smart. Sometimes you need a little bit of bureaucracy or system otherwise uh, it won't work at scale especially like when you start growing when you hit like 20, 30, 40 you would realize the system must be there otherwise it's impossible to survive. Exactly. That's cool Sharon thank you for that and let's dive into the course section of this podcast which we're gonna cover from the aspect of how you run the business from you know getting the clients quote generation process what software you use and down to the reporting aspect accounting like just holistically so listeners can understand like how what's your style we'll be seeing social styles of managing the business so if you can start from telling us how do you approach the clients which i think you partially cover it with uh generating more content so it's just naturally comes in yeah Cool. So we do everything like I want to call it like almost like modern day analog kind of in a way. So we don't really like use many workflow systems. So what we do is obviously, like you said, we use our social media to push out content and get people in. So realist, we've maybe pitched one or two people. I think in my time, I probably sent a pitch to yeah, maybe like one or two people in my time. Client comes to us. They use our website submission, which is the most simple thing. Our website is hideous right now. So honestly, I'm going to be speaking to someone about fixing that ASAP. So they will submit through the website or send us a DM or an email. Most of the time, if they're word of mouth, it'll just be an email. They send it to us. They send the business. Like it's really important for me to like suss out the business because again, like I don't want to sit and have an hour consult with someone that I can't really see what the business is for. We also have a lot of girls that maybe some, not just girls, but people sometimes think that we're like an influencer agency that like manages personal accounts, but we're not at all. So that's so different to what we offer. So when they actually they come to us, I make sure that they say like what their business is, any like links, websites. Then we have a I set them up a meeting through my Google calendar. I do it all just via email because for me, I haven't really got a system in place for like bookings, calendar, invite. You know, when you go and you book a meeting with someone and it gives their availability and you pick a time, I feel like I should set something like that. Yeah, something like that because I think that's really handy. But then putting that with my Google calendar, I don't know if that would just mess stuff up. So yeah, I organize a time that works. We jump on a consult. Then I make them a physical quote. So the physical quote is my biggest like gap right now. I tried a company called Ignition to make the quotes and I just like the setting up process. Like I probably, I heard some people at Cub saying that they actually paid someone to set up their stuff for them. I probably needed to do that. I wasted like six months paying this company like 400 a month when I didn't even touch the platform because of the fact that I didn't set it up properly. What, wait, 400 a month? That's a lot. Actually, it was like 225. 
a month and I paid six months, I think, worth of it before I then realized I haven't even used it. So that was just like money down the drain. But I try not to think about that. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you share on this. So just touching more on structural way, uh, you basically got the deals naturally coming to your email. We'll capture uh, the part of how do you track actually the active, non-active deals, because I think it's important, especially if you start to get into schedule and time management. Oh, I need to. Like, I know that it's so bad. For me, I literally just use my brain to try and remember oh. the current leads that are going on. And I use my Google Calendar and my Notion to... So do you know what Notion is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Notion is kind of like a glorified Google Doc. And I use that to track kind of like what's been happening each day. So I will use my Notion to then do my list of deals that I need to kind of write quotes for or like respond, resend a quote or reminder or something like that. But remember as well, like we don't have hundreds and hundreds of clients going on at once. Like my maximum would be like 30 at a time. So I'm aware that as I'm scaling, I probably do need to take control over it more. But at the moment, I'm kind of only having, you know, like especially now that we're not in sales mode, I'm taking two meetings a week. So it's quite easy to track. Like I'm sending two quotes a week or like four quotes a week on a busy week, that type of thing. And then like the starting dates are not till the beginning of the year at the moment or like November if it's a smaller package. So I guess for me is like I have the meeting, send a manual quote, which I'm literally using Canva. I don't know if that's so bad to say and admit, but I just use Canva. I personalize the quote a little bit with what they need, send it over with the starting dates that I recommend. I say recommend, but also like more like what we can handle because a lot of the time I kind of want the client to think that, you know, we're being convenient to their time. So that's why we can only start in two months. But really it's because like I'm foreseeing that potentially a client might either drop off or maybe we will hire again or something. Then those dates like two months in the future would be a time that we can cater for them Um, because I hate leaving a client without like a com- conf- confirmation date of when they can actually come on because otherwise they'll just they'll look other places. Like I'm not numb to the fact that when you, someone's looking for an agency, they're going to be looking looking at more than one. And so for me, like my closure of a deal comes down to like, when can we start and giving those like detailed dates. So they get their dates, they get all their starting documents, which is literally again, done on Canva, huge issue here. (laughs) Probably need to fix. I feel like this podcast is almost being used as like a reflection for me on like what I need to start incorporating. And then I'll send them over like we use zero, just like I think most small businesses. We have a business account though, so it's got all the fancy stuff on it. My accountant goes through and does all the bookkeeping and then I send over what the quote and the invoice is going to be. They shoot it across. And then we do a strategy meeting, which is the best thing. The strategy meeting is my favorite. I take the lead on it most of the time. We show what we're going to do in the month period, in the months that we're signing on for, but then even longer as well, obviously. And then mood boards, all the fun, pretty stuff. So, and then most of the time we have like meetings, little ones in between that depends of, you see, they, people have a lot of questions and stuff, but then we give them a lot of the strategy meeting is admin kind of showing like what to, how to work with us. But the thing is, is you kind of said like, what are our processes and whatnot? I actually think our clients like the fact that we don't have them downloading other apps or downloading other, you know, like Slack and Monday and all of those businesses, like all of those other ones, like we don't onboard our clients to anything, but the things that they are usually using to communicate with their friends and family. So like 
at the end of our slide of our strategy meeting, we've got, here's what you need to work with us. It's like Google Sheets is one of them. And then Google Drive is another one. And then iMessage and WhatsApp is another one. Like And then zero and email. Those are the five things. And the thing is, is I think for us, that's working really well with our clients at the moment because they're not needing to download anything else. So I mean, don't quote me on this, but I might stick to that for a little bit longer. But then actually the way that the team communicates probably needs a bit of an upgrade because obviously like there's so many tasks that are happening, but we've tried a lot of them and they just don't work as well yes. as just a to-do list that we all talk on. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it's, if it works for you guys, it's yeah. awesome. And especially if it doesn't impede or creates any issues. But I'd say like when you've been describing the entire process, it's very simple for the clients to get. That's true. But and when it comes to growth, that's probably will, will be the like main stimulation when it, when it needs to be more systemized. Because like the email is like, yeah, it's standard right now to get in touch. But once you get into, you know, like communication, as you said, within the team and the client, if you want to delegate more, then you would probably need to somehow control it better. I would say control is always, from what I'm hearing recently, associated with the bad things. But I think if control does not, you know, involve any pushing from the comfort zone or asking too much from the participants of the system, it's actually for good because in the end of the day, you can project how successful you are, whether you need to hire or do you need to like find more clients or like or fire <laughs> if, if it's uh, if it's another and. So that's interesting that you guys get so far with just managing things this way, to be honest. Like, I know there's like six people you mentioned you guys have and like 30 clients, but this 30 clients to me, it's like, if it's not too intense in communication, you're guys on the verge. Because if you get like to 50, 60, it's probably will be much harder to manage. What would you recommend then in terms of, would you say the priority for me would be internal in the sense of like the be seen team, the way we communicate obviously is like, iMessage and then we'll be sending stuff through email or like Google Drive. We have like one big Google Drive, which is like called BC Master Folder. And it's got every client, every single communication channel that they've ever, like any presentation, any documents are all into clients in alphabetical order. And then we communicate as a team on like iMessage and whatnot. And then any tasks, I literally will just text being like, hey, can you do this? And then it'll get done. There hasn't been any like too many big slips. So I wonder if like what you're saying is like, do you recommend I focus in entirely as a, obviously as a priority I mean because uh, eventually in order to scale to double the size I am you're right I will need to automate or at least make my life and workflow easier would you say the internal team's priority or actually like the way that we manage clients it's a good thing like to counter question that I don't want to do the card sale consultancy here but I cannot tell that you would feel that what you mentioned in the beginning of this podcast it's always about balanced clients and people when I was thinking about how can I solve workload issue in my company I realized I can't do one thing or another it's always come together it gets things more complicated but you can't just get one thing and sacrifice another probably you need to start from internal because it's easier it would help you understand better like where to look at like what, what you can do, like, for example, if you don't have a proper tracking system of, of your clients, it probably would be harder to onboard more clients simply because you don't know, like, what's going to happen in two months, whether you need to hire, like, urgently because, you know, it's going to be a spike. One thing. Another is about also calculating how efficient you are. You know, if you if you have sort of, like, table. You said you're using Zero, but Zero is just for accounting. But what happens in the process, like, when you have, like, the 30 clients, how do you say, like, this client is going well, here we overloaded, here we underloaded. This information, if it comes 
naturally to your team. They can make decisions on their own. You're still like in the beginning of the journey. I think I've been there as well, like managing uh, everyone myself. Mm -hmm. But then you realize like, oh, I'm tired. I don't, I mean, scaling people is the most challenging. We had that peak 125 engineers and wow. it was like a hell. I know everyone and I was like, you know, I've been like this customer support sitting on the phone like mm -hmm. the entire 24 hours. That was like how, how it looks like. So definitely needs something that other people can manage themselves. So you just project the vision, delegate it and set up. But what you mentioned about the complexity with onboarding system, you're absolutely right. You don't need to do this yourself mm. because, you know, how can you set up the operational system if you didn't have such experience? Probably need to hire someone to help you, like also educate your team and you like what the process would look like. So they can tell like, hey, you need to do this, this and that. And there's a small component so you distribute uh, between your team members and then it would work as uh, like a magic. Of course, if they follow the process, this is another. Yeah, I think the girls, like the girls that work for me, they're from like, like 20, I think 21 to like 27. So they just love having like everything in a way that they usually would typically communicate with friends and everything like that because we are small knit. But there definitely is room, I think, for like when it comes to having an organization process, having like, okay, here are the clients. Um, here's like clients' names, like alphabetical order or something. But then you also made a good point about, you said before about the what clients doing well and what clients aren't doing well. So there's obviously like our reporting that we do. And I'll tell you a little bit in a second about how we report and what the numbers are and whatnot from our point of view, because of course we're not in like the meta and we're not in the Shopify. So we don't actually, we don't look at clients success in like sales, which of course we do at the end of the day, like it is important and clients that can't afford us anymore aren't making sales. That's like the main elephant in the room for most of the time. But for us, the major thing is like the organic reach and everything's actually what we're reporting on. But what I was actually, what you said before that was interesting to me is like how clients are doing well and whatnot that I feel there's a gap for me to focus on is how much each client's margins are with the hours that are being spent on it. So for me, like we've had some huge issues the last three months that we're actually coming, we're coming out on the other side of, but that was our TikTok. TikTok is the hardest, longest platform to work organically on because you have to be so quick on the trends. You have to be constantly uploading. There's a lot to be done. And the time we were charging client, we were charging like about three, four months ago, we would have our deluxe package, which was Instagram, like content creation and management on Instagram. And then we would have TikTok as like an add-on for like $200, $300 extra a month. But the hours that were being spent, and the reason I did that back in like a, like a while ago was because I was like, oh, you know, it's the same person. So it's the same point of contact. You're saving, we're saving a little bit of money because like the shoots at the same time. And, but that isn't like thousands of dollars worth of saving like that the TikTok for it to perform really well needs like dedication and hours it needs a new account manager it needs someone that's actually looking at the trends and applying them to the businesses and then making the videos really quickly and then uploading them so now I'm only now kind of a quoting accordingly to how chaotic that platform is for us to run and now we actually have TikTok as its own package because we've realized that it is so powerful to just have that as its own platform and then have Instagram and whatnot as a separate manager because and a different strategy. Like these two strategies 
for like you could be one business but like our strategy for TikTok and our strategy for Instagram are completely different like different tone of voice and whatnot and only now through like actually sitting down and like counting the girls hours and figuring it out am I realizing like I'm losing a lot of money on this TikTok add-on because it's so much work to be done properly. You hit it to the nail. It's like the data gave you insight that yeah. uh, you add the add-on and there were some other reasons to put the price this way, but now you can adjust it and you can justify. And this is exactly about having the data and about having the system. Because I found like, even from my experience, I think everyone else would agree, the emotional bias that impact the decision-making of business owners is extremely powerful. You can have like high days and you think like, oh, it's probably we can do much better and like underestimate the efforts needed and vice versa. So data just helps you make it like less like that, you know, crazy up and down, but more like smooth line. And this is exactly what's needed, in my opinion, for the healthy business to have a smooth line. So in case you see you go down, you go slowly, you can adjust, you can have time, you can react, right? It's not like <laughs> we are on the bottom, we are dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, we need to learn to fly, something like that. Yeah. And I think we came to a point with TikTok that we were thinking, you know, this could be like a killer of everything if we don't sit down to our clients and be like hey and I just had one just before we got here I was she was you know saying oh you know the same videos are getting posted on TikTok that they are Instagram reels and you know I'm paying for two things and I was like you know what I'll be full transparent to you we are now increasing our prices to almost having TikTok and Instagram being the same, even though, you know, you're one client that actually doubled because it is double the output, but I was actually making it sound like it was much, much less. So yeah, that being said, there's a few things like from, I guess, programmatic or I guess processes point of view that I want to work on that hopefully if we chat again in six months, like these have been progressed. One is a more streamlined accounting way of getting like automated payments to come through and like sending them out on a more regular basis because at the moment I'm kind of like manually doing when they're due and I look at the dates of when they were meant to come through and then I resend based off like the date that it was due but we don't we probably need a better system for that that's one thing the other would be like an internal communication with the team so like actually having like tasks that we can allocate to people and say you know okay these are the client lists we can break them down into because we do we do have google sheets that have like the client names and who runs them and what then next shoot date is but I think that needs to be way more thorough especially when we're growing and then for me the actual on a personal level is I think that I need to have a lot more kind of like structure in like maybe my day I listened to a podcast which I thought was so interesting she times her day because she's kind of lucky she doesn't have well she doesn't have a team I don't know if that's lucky but she's not she works for herself and what she does is she structures her days around like Mondays and Wednesdays are like cool days so she'll like be on the phone and she'll do like eight calls or whatever and then Tuesdays and Thursdays she won't do any calls like she will not pick up the phone she will just be on like filming content doing like well podcasts I would say probably a call right and then so Tuesdays and Thursdays are just like headphones on not con- like not speaking to anyone concentrating actually doing the work and then I forget what she does Fridays maybe Fridays is like networking day kind of like my day yeah. Fridays is like my day to be like CEO day kind of like meeting with like people that aren't direct sales kind of like what you and I are doing like yeah. today and I found that structure really good so like whether I can like come up with a system to like stay loyal to that and or other than my notes. I don't really know, but those I would say 
are the main like two things that I'd like to work on from this. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, very insightful that you cover all these aspects and you know where to move. I think there might be a lot of ways you can achieve this process when you feel comfortable, when you can tell like five days a week is my CEO days because mm-hmm. you are free from operations and can potentially delegate a lot of stuff as long as you want it. Of course, if you want to be like there, it's one thing, but you can also have a freedom. This is another, it's a final actually topic of the core is about autonomy. Like, Can you go to sabbatical and be calm Uh, knowing that your business is okay or you can't? This is a tricky question. Well, I went to Europe for five weeks last year, three weeks this year. And you know what? Nothing was set on fire. So I truly do believe that I built something that has resilience within itself. The girls, they always say that business makes up obviously majority of everything and you don't have a business without people. And the girls, when I tell you, I could sit here and talk for an hour on how great they are. In fact, longer, a day. And the girls really love, they love working for the clients. They love obviously, hopefully working for me. And you know what, when I went away, like everyone steps up and everyone, you know, knows their place. I'm not in the office today, makes absolutely no difference to anyone at all. And so I think I have got to a place, of course, with agency and service, like we're a people business at the end of the day. We're shooting content, left, right and center, nine to five, Monday to Friday, shooting content all the time. But that being said, said I have lot I'm going away next weekend no difference the girls can go away and we have resilience in order to cover that not as much as I'd like to I think again if we were to come back in six months I would like to have better systems to automating how to cover the girls as well because we do post manually and that's our biggest point of difference is actually like we I could go in and take two hours explaining all the things that we could do automatically but we choose not to because of the fact that we post manually stories TikToks reels Instagram posts like we are pressing those buttons at the end of the day and that's what I think makes us really I actually use that as a selling point because clients don't always want to pay someone that's just going to automate everything because they can probably figure out that on their own but for us we really do value like doing things like the kind of old-fashioned way in posting physically every day like the girls alarm to post will go off at 6 p.m and they'll upload all their photos manually and for and stories like in the office so as much as I think that like it could be automatic automated I actually choose not to I don't know don't quote me on this but I was speaking to someone that worked in Meta so before it was actually owned by Meta the person that was a rep Australian rep for Instagram some said and they he posted it in this like Facebook forum and I found it really interesting and I've kind of stuck by that since then is if you have third-party apps in your Instagram or TikTok or whatnot doing any automated stuff liking doing like like bots and everything like that and something happens to your Instagram and it gets removed and they see, you know, you've got these third-party apps. Instagram is probably unlikely going to try and get your account back because they're going to be like, oh, well, the reason is because someone has hacked into you from that third party. So that's why I choose not to automate things. And that's why we do choose to take that longer route to actually having to upload things because I don't trust those type of things yet. Instagram does have a way that you can draft things and then make like schedule them so we'll kind of just maybe look and explore what instagram is providing but that's as far as i'd go yeah that's smart it, it probably it helps you stay away out of a lot of trouble that connected with these potential third-party hacks so the, i would say this is a smart strategy it's it's a bit harder to scale in my point of view but as long as it you know matches the efforts your team spends to to deliver specific services to the bill yeah you you, you get paid you know uh, by your clients then it works why not it's it's 
I would say, a solution to alternatives. Plus, sometimes it's this automation. You can easily lose. Something's going to change. You forget to update. You know, it gets you in a trouble. So I totally agree with you that for, for the social aspect, especially since you're working with a you know, personal kind of, not like personal brand, but having the feeling as a personal brand in the first place, like because people doing this manually, that's a really good thing. Okay, I think we have covered a lot of stuff today. And just to unwind, I just want to ask you a question. If there's something on the, uh, you can share, it's not on LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn very often. So practically wow. 90% of every, 99% of me is not on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm still getting into it. So again, in six months, let's actually touch base and I'll be like, yeah, like I have a LinkedIn strategy and everything. But at the moment I don't. So my biggest thing that's not on LinkedIn, other than being my 90% of my life is actually I'm so into cooking. So recently I've been like on the TikTok bandwagon. I had a video of me making tomato soup go viral. It was so random. So like cooking, my cooking TikToks and everything aren't on LinkedIn. And that's like my biggest pastime at the moment is when I have the time, which I should be working out clearly if we go back to the beginning of the episode. But mine is my little cooking. That's nice. I like how you spend your free time, but you still record it. <laughs> yes, I still record it. I still post it on TikTok, all of those things. So like everything in life, I swear, goes back to that, goes back to social media. That's cool. I, I think cooking isn't my big thing, but I, I learned one thing. I was making the dinner for me and my partner, risotto. It was like really challenging. I didn't expect that. But yeah. risotto took I me made four risotto hours. the other day. Did? That's so funny you say that because one of the girls yesterday at work, they came up to me and were like, risotto, when you made it, how, why would... How, why was mine sticking to the bottom of the pan so much? Did you have to s stir it the whole time? It takes a long time. So you have to pour in really slowly and constantly stir, constantly stir. And you always yeah. have to put more in than you think. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, I, I think I used back in those days the app called Jamie Oliver's yeah, Chef. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, so I like these details of the instruction and actually felt myself like a chef because I had like the four, four things uh, going at the same time. Sauce, rice, all that stuff. Yeah, what like, did you make? What sauce did you have with it? I think it's something that's truthful. It was pretty sophisticated thing. As, as I said, it took me four hours. And I was like, I was making surprise. And I was saying like, hey, when you get back, she was like with her friends and they're like, we want to stay for one hour. And I was like reading it must be eaten within 10, 20 minutes i was oh my god it's gonna get yeah. cold i get it uh can you go you know faster so i i had to somehow persuade her to leave earlier because otherwise it won't be that tasty as yeah. it's supposed to. well mine yeah mine was like quite a challenge as well it's not like an easy dish so i mean i respect that respect that effort for sure yeah true maybe i were over exaggerated because i'm not cooking often yeah there's some tricks i applied similar to gym to the cooking so i can save much time but yeah. anyway, it's another story. So thank you very much thank for, you for sharing having this. Me. It's been fun. Yeah, I really delighted to have you here. And I hope to chat more, maybe in six months again. I need to definitely use this as like a benchmark time and be like, okay, let's go from here and start implementing stuff now. I love that.